Roger, thank you so much again for taking the time to letting me kind of uh, pick your brain a little bit and, you know, ask you questions and all of that good stuff. Um, so to start off, just, you know, give us your name and where you're from. I am Roger LaVisca, and I was born and raised in Wisconsin. Um, I moved when I was a senior in high school, a junior in high school. I moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee, my senior year. And this has been home for, oh my Lord, 30 something years now, 35 wow. years. Yeah. That's amazing. What was this, it like? Love this area. Love this area here. What was it like moving from Wisconsin, which I, I know is very cold <laughs> to where you are now? Well, it's, uh, you had to learn to make friends really, really fast. Uh, both of my parents are ministers growing up. They gra both graduated from Rama Bible College in Oklahoma. So that what they would do is they would, I think it was sixth grade. We were in Illinois. They would start a church and get it going. And they felt led to go to another place and start a church. So I'd be there for a year, maybe two years. So you had to learn to make friends really, really fast. You had to kind of be, I don't want to say the class clown, but you had to be someone that engaging. And yeah. you couldn't be the wallflower. You would never have any, had any friends. So wow. I learned to make friends really, really fast. Yeah. Do you also feel like um, that had kind of an effect on you, not just uh, making friends, but also having routine or feeling like you couldn't get a grasp on things? Or did you feel like you were able to get grasp? <sighs> no, it was, I, I was, I'm also prior military and something they mm. taught us there was to adapt and overcome. And that's something I did at a very, very early age when I didn't even know about the term. Uh, you learn to adapt and overcome really fast. Otherwise, that or you're a loner. And I had a younger mm -hmm. brother, who about three years younger, and then a younger sister, about five years younger than me. So it was either just us or, you know, I would, didn't have any friends. So I, you had yeah. to learn to adapt and overcome. And that's been kind of a motto for quite some time, adapt and overcome. <laughs> And how do you think growing up uh, with parents who are in ministry affected your relationship or walk with God? Would you say that you knew him at an early age or you knew of him at an early age? I think I knew him early. Um, I got to see a lot of prominent uh, people like Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagee mm. and um, Joyce Meyer. I got to meet a lot of those people when I was a kid. So and a lot of those people have been in the industry for many, many, many years. And... I, my, they know my parents and I knew them. So, I mean, it was kind of neat. It was kind of fun to be around them. And we always had a joke when we were kids, though, that we were always, see, well, it was, it was always the deacon's kid because we would always, well, I'm trying to think of the saying we always said. Because <laughs> uh, we always hung around with the deacon's kids. We always blamed the yeah. deacon's kids rather than us getting in trouble. So Yeah, yeah. The pastor's oh kids did, no, did, did no wrong is what we would say. It was always the deacon's kids. <laughs> Oh, wow. And so what was that like growing up in that type of atmosphere at that age? When I look back on it now, I didn't realize how much I, I hate to say the word loathe. Mm. Every time the church door opened, we were there because we were either helping in the nursery because we were kids and, you know, we were there to help get the church going and to build up churches. And yeah. I, every time the door opened, it didn't matter. We were there because we were too young to stay home and. Mm. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know. You got to the point where I resented it. 
And yeah. it's kind of like the prodigal story. You, you kind of leave for a while and you realize this is where I find peace and there's no anxiety and no stress. And I, my walk with God, it didn't like go into an awful direction with drugs and anything like that or abuse or I, it didn't go in a really bad direction. It just stopped communicating uh, for mm. quite some time. And I'd say over the past maybe six years, it's gotten really, really strong. Wow. And I always knew of God and I believed in, you know, believed that way. And, but just to, over, I'd say over the past six years, it's gotten to a place where I, like he's in the car with me, we have conversations. It's wow. nice. I'm, yeah. in, I'm in a good place in my life. Yeah. And he's, he's become more of like your friend than just this. My cornerstone, my, yeah. my foundation. And wow. I, I, ha I have pillars and those are my, I always tell people that the five people you hang around the most is who you become. And I have about nine of these pillars and I call them usually once a month and just tell them, thank you for being a cornerstone on my foundation. Yeah. And they know my cornerstone, wow. my foundation's got. So it's nice to have those people that help to hold me to a higher level. Yeah, keeping you accountable. That's 100%. amazing. That's amazing. 100%. And I know, uh, Roger, you're an incredible speaker. You have your uh, motivational Mondays, and you seem not to miss a beat. So that's incredible. Talk to me about how you landed doing that. Like, how did you become a speaker? Would you have guessed that you were always going to be a speaker? Or is this something that you no, I mean, discovered? I'm trying to think of what episode. Like, we just did 219, so we're four. This is the start of the fifth year um, every single Monday. And it's just something I felt like I was, I needed to do and needed to share and wasn't really looking for a platform. And I don't ever look for the views and the likes and the hearts and things like that. I just, I pick a word, I pick a topic and try to spend 15 to maybe 20 minutes. So I don't, you don't, you don't want to lose people. Mm -hmm. Um, I get a lot of private messages and DMS that say, you know, you really were talking to me and um, I do a lot of motivational speaking at the cosmetology schools in my area. I have about nine schools and they give me free reign to come in and speak. And I let them know my faith and I let them know I believe in God. And if they don't, that's okay. I don't have to answer for them, but I'm here to let them know that that's where I find peace and I don't have stress and I don't have anxiety. And I quote a few scriptures here and there, like Philippians four, six, and seven about be anxious for nothing kind of thing. And yeah, you know, I, I usually get a lot of people afterwards that come up and go, I applaud your faith and I'm like that I don't do it for that. And I mm -hmm. one of my little taglines is I do what I do for the praise of one. It's yeah. not for Emily, it's not for anybody listening or watching this and it's I do what I do for him and I, I try to be that light because God knows it seemed to be going to hell in a handbasket, the world does. Yeah. For lack of I can words. absolutely relate to that. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like even with the podcast, it's all just to get that nod from God and not as much from anyone else, like to be the vessel and to help proclaim the good news and make it more accessible to people. Um, and if it helps one person, fantastic. Um, and it's not about the hundreds, but it is about, you know, the fish and the loaves and how that can affect the 5,000. So I, I absolutely agree. Just focusing on, on him truly does help it be more authentic and, and, and honest and, and humble. And so you said you've been doing this for a while now. How did you become a speaker? I worked for a company uh, called Salon Centric up until December, and it was almost 20 years I was with them. Uh, about 18 years ago, I started, just felt like I wanted to speak to the students when I kind of understood what the industry was about. I realized it wasn't about selling shampoo. It was about relationships. And 
I think one of the biggest things that I tell them is I stand up in front of the class and I tell them, you can think I'm full of you know what, or you can think I know what I'm talking about. Either way, you're right. Your opinion of me means absolutely nothing. You didn't make me. You didn't create me. And when you realize that I'm here and I don't get paid to be here, but I'm here because I'm trying to deposit into you. And then I think one of the biggest things is in this industry, I'm sure you're, you know, being a part of is I try to teach them to never rely on a man for anything and being straight male myself and being around women for 20 years doing this industry, they kind of look at you kind of funny. And basically I just tell them, I said, you have to do this for you because there's no guarantees in that other human being, your mate, your spouse, significant other, whatever that situation looks like. There's no, there's no guaranteeing that they'll be there tomorrow, regardless. And you have to do it for you. And I'll kind of interject a little side note is I, I just started speaking this maybe about two years ago is I would say that, of course, I love God more than anything else, but on this earth, I love myself more than anything, more than my wife, more than my kids, more than anything that I have, any worldly possession. Because if I don't love myself more than anything else, how can I show my boys what true love looks like? Mm. God didn't make a mistake when he made me. So for me to try to instill that in people to realize that, like I said, the five people you hang around the most is who you become. My mentors of those eight or nine that I have in my box of influence they instill in me that the greatness that they each have the strengths that I don't, and they make me into a better person every single day. So I try to turn that around on the cosmetology world. Anybody that wants to listen, uh, anybody that just needs coaching or mentoring. There's been several, uh, hairdressers that I've asked, can you come speak to my spouse? Can we have couples therapy? And I'm like, not a licensed therapist, but you're making this harder than it has to be. And I think I tell people that all the time. Life is really easy and we overcomplicate things a lot and it doesn't have to be that hard. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, even in scripture, it says that when God made man, he, he proclaimed it to be good. He said it is good um, and it is made in his image. And a lot of the times, and of course, like being in the hair industry, one thing that I've learned is that we're fantastic at tearing ourselves down. We don't need mm-hmm. any help. I don't need your help to make me feel bad. I can do that on my own. And I, one of my favorite things to tell people when they're unloading or when they've um, been able to vent to me is I, you know, and they're, you know, unloading about someone else. I always say, um, just tell them you don't need help adding stress that you can do that all on your own. Because a lot of the times, like we, we don't need to hold on to what other people are saying to us. Uh, and we definitely don't need to add onto the bucket of stress that we already carry. And we barely want to give that to God as it is. So yeah, like I absolutely agree. Life can be much easier than we make it, but we just can stand in front of a mirror or throughout our day, pick up all the things we didn't do versus acknowledge all the things that we did do. And also just bringing God along for the ride. Um, And I love that you were able to kind of take that and start to speak to other people and also acknowledge like, Hey, like I'm not a therapist, but but this is what I do know. And this is what has worked Mm -hmm. for me. And that's just, that's, that's a really great foundation for a lot of people. And I don't think that they realize that that's accessible to them. The simple knowledge of that you are good. And, um, all you need to do, there's nothing that you need to do, but simply delight in the Lord. And then all those things will start to fall into place. It's that 100%. lie that we have all of these expectations that we have to meet. So 
Talk to me about, um, has there been like a, a memory in your life or a moment in your life where you could feel that God was moving and made you incredibly uncomfortable? I always call them spiritual growth pains or even a time even now looking back and saying like, oh, wow, like God definitely moved that for a particular situation in my life. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, and it's kind of part of my story. Um, when I'm in front of the room of students, it could be 20, it could be 60. I actually spoke at a high school of 1,200 students once, and that was a little nerve-wracking because little high school kids, they don't care. Nope, um, and, they're, and they can be mean. Oh, but, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, what I tell them is this, and I hold my eye down and go, do you see any care in these eyes? When I leave, I don't, I don't care what you think of me. Your opinion of me means absolutely nothing because you didn't create me. Mm. And they just kind of look at me like, what? I'm like, you we allow people to put labels on us mm -hmm. and we let them mm -hmm. stick. You don't get to put labels on me because I will not allow it. It's my choice. And I choose not to let you put labels on me. And they just look at me like I have three eyes because they don't usually hear people talking to them like that. Mm, but I my story about six years ago, my now ex-wife, we have a 13 year old together. She said between you, me, the dog, the house, the bills, Kingston, just everything going on in life, I think it's best if you move out and we get a divorce. And I'm like, what mm. are you talking about? She said, we've been talking about this for two years. And I said, we've never discussed divorce. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, there was many couple of weeks of just tearful. Because the problem was, is I realized that I put her on a pedestal and she was number one and God was like number 12. And I fault myself for not making him first. I don't think that was the situation. I think it had a lot to be with unequally yoked and yeah. she didn't believe in really going to church. She wasn't really raised up that way. And I'm not blaming her. It, it takes two to tango kind of thing. And yeah. I, I know for a fact, I didn't cheat. I didn't raise my hand. I didn't raise my voice. She was also a hairdresser. So I'm kind of married into this industry. Um, <laughs> I, it didn't make sense. And I tell people that you have this puzzle. And the first thing you do is flip it over and it's just a mess. And you're thinking, there's no way I can do this. And we work the bound, we work the borders first and the borders were the foundation for me of, you know, what does this look like? And it took about three years before it all finally made sense that she was dating her old boyfriend. She was talking to him through emails and phone messages and like Skype calls kind of thing. And, uh, now they got married and they've been married. Um, I don't know about four or five years, which yeah. it is what it is. And that was a really tough time for me. And I was living in my mother's basement. I called it the back cave because it was cold and it was dark. Um, <laughs> and I remember, so what I try to teach a lot of the stylists, those are love languages. You should know what your five love languages are. And you should, mm -hmm. you should know because for you or your, your spouse that you're about to have or your boyfriend or whatever it is, or girlfriend or whatever, you should know what your love languages are. And Mine is physical touch and words of affirmation and living in my mother's basin. I was not getting physical touch. And when I say that, I don't mean sex. It's just in general of having that physical contact yeah. with someone holding hands, uh, just yeah. a hug. And I wasn't getting that. So for about a year and a half, I was basically living in my mother's basement at 40 something odd years old. That is not where you want to be. Yeah. And that is where I found like God himself. And I'll never forget having the encounter, if you will. I was laying in the bed. It was about 1.30 in the morning. And I was on my phone looking at one of those websites like 
Farmers.com. I don't know what the name of it was. It wasn't Tinder. Mm-hmm. It was it was like a dating site. Yeah. And it, it wasn't Farmers. I don't know what it was. And I was just, I, I was just, it was, just I'm not a farmer. I'm not a farmer. Um, so I'm just looking at this site. Question. Yeah. I was like, it was not Farmers.com. I promise. Um, but it was, it wasn't Tinder. It was just one of those dating sites, Match.com or something. And I was like, and I was filling everything out. And I was like, God, you know what I need. You know, I just, I need that interaction. I need to go on a date. I need to just, and I was like, and I'm just about to hit the button to submit. And I hear that voice as loud as you and I talking that says, what are you doing? Mm. And I grabbed the flashlight from the mm. f- side of the floor and I'm shining it around the bedroom because I thought my mom or stepdad was downstairs. And I'm like, watching over your shoulder. Didn't hear anybody come downstairs. And I'm like, it's just a dating site. I'm not on something I'm not supposed to. And I was like, <laughs> I'm looking around and there's nobody in the room. And I was freaked wow. out. Put the wow. flashlight down and I was about to hit it again. And I heard that voice even louder saying, what are you wow. doing? And I swiped up and I said, nothing. Uh, nothing. <laughs> I said, I submit. I fully submit to you. Wow. And at that moment, it was kind of that encounter that I got goosebumps talking about. It. I yeah, just, yeah. I, it's, it was so impactful for me to know that wow. I have to trust God's timing and that I wasn't ready to be in that situation because mm. what's crazy is now my wife, now Susan, I've known her for 20 years. And when I started dating my ex, we'd only been dating for a week or two. I thought Susan was interested. So I mm. booked an appointment to get my hair cut. And I walked ah. up to the front and they said, Susan Rogers here, because we'd always kind of liked each other, but not like on an intimate yeah. level, just we were real good friends. And yeah. her face turns beet red and she gets embarrassed and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, you're going to cut my hair. I was going to like a litmus test to see if she actually liked me. <laughs> she didn't flirt. She didn't shampoo my hair, which she always shampoos the guys. She didn't flirt. She didn't accidentally brush against me. She didn't do anything inappropriate. She didn't even say, hey, can we go out? I just felt like she wasn't interested. So mm. I, because I was really interested in her. So yeah. that's when, you know, Jean and I got married and we had a kid and all this happened about six years ago. So we were married about a little over 10 years. And uh, we now, my wife and I now have this ongoing joke that I would say it could have been you. And mm. you could have had, you could have had all this 17 years ago if you would have just <laughs> said you were interested. So I gave yeah. her a hard time about it, but that journey, and was she? Did she, she, was, she was interested, but her, she's very stern. And she looks me dead in the eye and says, mm. when I'm at work, I'm at work. I yeah. don't hint. I don't play. I don't horse around and she'll do three or four or five haircuts a day along with, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the female clientele. Yeah. I don't ever have to worry about her. I just, I know, and that's that trust factor that I don't know if she's going to do it, she's going to do it anyways. If I'm going to do yeah. it, there's nothing she can do about it. And yeah. I have to have yeah. that in my head that I fully 100% trust her. Yeah. And so Satan good. will come in every occasionally to try to put plant mm-hmm. stuff and I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I trust her fully. So yeah. being in that place in that basement and it happened again about two or three months later, I was about to do it again. And I heard this time it was almost like a, almost a voice of disgust. It was like, what are you doing? And I was like, nothing. And I was like in my head thinking, I told you I fully submitted and I wasn't. Yeah. So the way the story goes is I was in church. Uh, this was maybe six months after that second time. And I'm in front row. Cause if I'm in the back and being in the beauty industry, I just, mm. I, I get like, 
oh my god, did they get dressed in the dark? Or oh, yeah, look at her yeah. hair. I can, uh, you know what? You know what I'm. If, if you if you've no, got a hairdresser, exactly. you know what I'm saying. I can't go to Target and be a piece. <laughs> no, I mean like, oh my god, did you get dressed in the dark? Your fashion sense is uh, awful. And I'm not even a licensed hairdresser. I've just been doing it for so long that I've just, picked up those things. It's just unfortunate because you know, it's not it, it really. Yeah, is. I can relate. And it's to not that, being yes. judgy. I don't tell people I'm not judgy, make judgy by no means. It's just but embedded in you. At it, that point. It, it really is. After I think after about ten years, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. you can't help it. You need a hairdresser. Here's my card. So I'm in. <laughs> I, I'm in church. I'm getting my Jesus on, and I turn around to look, and I see Susan <laughs> sitting in the back of my in the back of the church, and there's about four or five hundred people in there, and it's like the only light is shining on her. And she's with her girlfriend, Lori, and I text her because she used to be my customer. And I text her, I'm mm-hmm. like, what are you doing here? She said, I've been coming to church here for like eight years. And I was like, I've never seen you. She said, I've been here since the doors opened week two. And I was like, I've never seen you. Wow. She said, I've always wow. left before you and Jeannie left because I didn't want it to be awkward. And I went, well, that's weird. Why would she say that? So I talked mm-hmm. to her after church. We talked for a few minutes. They invited me to lunch. And I told them that I was, I had other plans, that, you know, but we, maybe next week. The next Sunday, I'm sitting in church, getting my Jesus on, and she's sitting by herself in the same spot. So I text her and go, do you care if I come sit with you? Where's Lori? And she said, well, her husband is sick. She couldn't come to church. So I went back and sat with her, and I've been sitting with her ever since. Wow. And the, the way I, I remember it, about six months into dating, we're walking in Chattanooga. It's called the Walnut Street Bridge. It's this huge walking bridge. It's beautiful at night and everything else. And it's dusk, and it's beautiful. And we were dressed up. My older son was taking photos. And we're walking and I stopped and I looked at her and I said, I need to talk to you about something. She's, she thought I was going to propose, but I looked at her and I said, I don't need you to complete me. And she was like, what? And I was like, let, let me finish. I said, God completes me. I mm. said, I need you to compliment me. I need you by my side. I don't need you to lead and I don't need you to follow. I need you beside me to compliment me. Not to say I look good, because I know I look good. And she's like, God, you're so (laughs) stupid. And she rolled her eyes. At that moment, I knew she loved me because I could tell when she rolls her eyes and says, you're so stupid, that usually means they love you. And (laughs) I was like, just let me finish what I'm trying to say. And she's like, okay. I said, I don't need you to complete me. I'm totally fine living by myself. But I need, mm-hmm. I want to go through the rest of this life with you. And I need you as my compliment. And she's like, that's mm-hmm. pretty good. Did you just think of that? I was like, I had a little help from the big man upstairs, but <laughs> all of that story brought me to today in a roundabout way. And when I just submit, and I think that's mm-hmm. the problem a lot of people deal with is they try to do it themselves and they get in toxic relationships instead of letting yeah. you, they walk in the door one day <laughs> and you feel it, you see it and go, Oh my God, that's him or that's her. Yeah. That's that's so good. That's, that's incredible. I think that God seems to have a theme, um, where he loves, he, I feel like God loves to be like, what are you doing? Uh, it's one of his favorite things to call us out in. And I, I also agree that, um, one thing that I feel like God has taught me is that he has gone before me. So he knows the plans and things that he has for me. But when we don't see it, we, I always like the, I've always described it as like when you're watching a toddler, like, I don't know, like being in charge of a toddler is, it's so easy, but so stressful at the same time, Mm -hmm. because they don't see the dangers around them, but they also don't see what you already have for them. There's just a set in time that, you know, Mm -hmm. whether you're the parent or the parent left you with them, they tell you like, Hey, at one, give them such and such thing. So, but it's, it's like 12 and they're wanting it now. And you're having to reassure them you're going to get it. I just need you to, to sit put and don't and then they like i remember my niece used to wander into the kitchen and we had to like physically t- tie a towel around the bars 
otherwise she would rip it open, leave it open and like grab whatever and just stuff her face. Um, and little kids like they'll eat and they'll get their fill, but then they'll get sick. And so I just, I always described it as God and us. A lot of the times we're that toddler who doesn't understand mm. what God has for us. And if we're willing to be patient just by a little bit, the reward is so much better. Not only because we waited, but because just knowing that God had a time and a purpose mm. and a plan for it, because when we look back, we can see what he was doing. Like the, like we're able to notice where we messed up because we're like, this is where I take control. And God, of course, will allow you to, to take control, will allow you to mess up so that you're able to recognize, okay, maybe it's not the best when I do my own. Because God's a God of free will and he allows you to make your own choices. And um, I can't relate. I mean, I can absolutely relate to what you're saying that um, God will always look at you and just say, what are you doing? Like, I have all of this for you. If you could just be patient, if you could just wait for a second. I think that, um, I mean, even using you, Roger, as an example, like in that in that uh, bat cave that you were in, it made you value that physical touch more because you knew what it was like not having it. You knew mm -hmm. what it was like. The absence of that touch made the presence of the touch be even more prominent and being more valuable. And so now, like you mentioned, like you absolutely trust her because you know her character and you know what she's capable of. But like you said, there's nothing that you can do but trust and believe that when she goes to work, she's working. When she comes home, she's with you. And the same thing can be said about you. So I, I think that's incredible. So talk to me about um, what that was like now stepping into that, like trusting God. Like you mentioned, you tried, you know, to do it again. And then you're like, all right, God, this is all you. Were there any other uh, places in your life that you also had to trust God in, like whether it was like in your career, finances, like even looking for your own place down the road or even asking for her hand in marriage? Like were there places that you also needed to learn to trust God more? All of the above. Um, what's funny is I'll talk about this in a second. I don't know if you're going to have a video, but the remote control, yep. mm -hmm. I, I keep one at my desk as a reminder that I'm not in control. And I do have free will to control this. And if you and I are watching TV and I'm holding this, it's pretty much whatever Roger wants to watch. But if Emily's holding this, it's whatever Emily wants to watch. Looks I've like learned the long... office. Yeah, that's a good, that's a, I would watch that with you. But I've gotten to the point now where Zig Ziglar was a mentor of mine before he passed. And of course, I still listen mm. to a lot of his stuff. And one of the mm -hmm. things he talks about is the word TV stands for time vacuum you'll catch yourself sitting there watching more and yeah. more and more and more and not getting done what you need to get done. So I literally will maybe like I recorded a few basketball games that are on today and I don't really yeah. care for it, but I'll, I like this time of year, March Madness, and I might watch occasional football game or baseball game, but I usually don't mm. watch TV and it, does, it mm. doesn't do anything for me financially, spiritually. There's usually a lot of curse words and the good Lord knows I can slip up on those myself. I don't need any extra help, mm -hmm. um, especially driving down the road. So I've taken to get, I've taken these <laughs> and, and well, I mean, you got to think what I did, I drove about 35,000 miles a year seeing so once a northerner, always a northerner. Oh my God. From Chattanooga down to about Atlanta. And I was doing about 35,000 miles a year and you see a lot of idiots on the road. But <laughs> when I took this and I, one of my motivational Mondays was about the remote and I mm. took an old remote and just threw it over my shoulder into the back of the yard. 
And Did you have to go out have... later and pick it up? Oh, yeah, I had to go pick it up. But I mean, it was <laughs> it was an old junky remote, but I was like, yeah. what it really boils down to is giving up control and fully 100% submitting to him. I that. know I have to get up and I have a job to do every day and I have, you know, my wife and my yeah. boys to take care of and I have things around the house and I have stuff I have to do. But the mm. first thing I do usually after I get up and run to the restroom is say, God, step in my shoes. What is it you want me to do today? Let me be your mm. vessel and your light and be the light for at least one person and change one person's life. So when you said that earlier, leaving the 99 for the one, and it may kind of click for me that that's exactly what I'm doing is, is that I just want one person. If it's 10, if it's yeah. 99, if it's 100, that's great. But if it's one, just get, let me help change one person to see your through your eyes what I see. Yeah, yeah. Um, you asked, and I didn't want to miss this point. You said something earlier about... Um, having those moments where it wasn't the encounter, but my very first encounter was when I was moving things out of my house to a storage unit mm. and I took her Tahoe and loaded up. I had about five loads. And what's crazy is I'll never forget this. And people can say they don't believe it. I don't care. I was there. and I know what happened. Every time I pulled up to the unit, I would unlock the door and lift the lid. And when I did, it would start raining. And I'm like, oh, wow. serious? And I looked up and started laughing. I'm like, now nah, I'm going to get soaked. So I put everything in the storage unit. I closed the lid, locked it, and I started to drive away and it would stop raining. That happened four mm. times. The wow. last time I pulled in, I opened the door and I looked up and it didn't start raining. And I started putting some stuff in and I was just about done and it started sprinkling again. And I went, if this is what you mean, I said, your sense of humor is hysterical. <laughs> I said, but if you're washing me of this, I totally get it. And if that's the symbolism, I get it. And wow. I said, and now at this point I was soaked. So I'm driving wow. back to the house to basically give her her car back, take mine and leave. And I almost made it to the house and I pull over on this little country road. It was about 10 minute drive. And I had an absolute come apart. One of those ugly snot slinging cries. The mm. ones that look like you've been beat with a ball bat. And I'm just yeah. I'm screaming at the top of my voice to God going, why did you let this happen? What did I do wrong? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm screaming, screaming, screaming. And then I yeah. hear loud, it was a loud voice. And it said, do you trust me? And I said, yes. And then I heard again, no, do you trust me? And I said, yes, with everything holy inside wow, of me. I wow. trust you with my whole everything. And then I heard, let me do what I do. And then I response wow. again. Yeah. And wow. I don't I don't get to tell that encounter story too much because people at the beauty schools yeah. and stuff might look at you yeah. like you got three eyeballs. It's, I know yeah. I know what I heard. I know I got mm. rained on. I know what I felt. And then I said, I fully commit to you. And then I heard, let me do what I do. And then I looked up in the rearview mirror and it looked like I wasn't even crying. If you've wow. had, we've all had those ugly snot slinging cries and it takes you about 45 minutes to get your composure and that looks like you've been beat with a ball bat. Yeah. I looked in the rearview yeah. mirror and there was nothing wrong with me. And wow. I was like, this wow. is insane. No one's ever going to believe this, but I don't mm. care. I don't mm. care. And that I went back to the house. I backed the car in and I walked over to her and I kissed her on the forehead and I looked at her and I said, I love you. And I started walking away. She said, where are you going? Are you not going to fight for this? And I went, you've got to be kidding me. And I said, you've lost your, I think I said, damn, I said, you've lost your damn mind. And I tried to do my best not to just keep my composure yeah. without cussing her like a dog. And I was, cause I, I was hurt. Yeah. Your and I just, I just said, I love you, but I am not in love with you. And God's got something much more and much better in store for me than this. And wow. I, I don't mean it disrespectful, but 
I love you and you're the mother of my child. I will yeah. always love you and there'll be a special place in my heart for you and I wish no ill, Ill will on you. And I laughed and she boo yeah. and cried. I don't know what she meant by trying to fight, but I mean, for two weeks, I was like, why are we doing this? And that's yeah. what she wanted. Yeah. So I would never go back and change a thing. It brought, because I wouldn't be where I'm at with God if I would have changed yeah. something. Wouldn't have my 13-year-old. I wouldn't be in this situation. And wow. I love the walk wow. that I have now. I'm in a really, really good place. Yeah, that's that's a truly incredible. Um, one thing I've learned, I've had someone, I don't remember... Who told, I want to say a close uh, a mentor of mine, a close mentor of mine, Nancy, told me um, people can argue with a lot, but they can't argue with your story. They can't mm. tell you what you saw and what you didn't saw True. or what you didn't see. And that yeah. stuck with me. And I think it stuck with me because she told me this like a week or two ago. And for someone who is interviewing people and asking them about what they've experienced, it's so true. I can't have you, you know, you know, come here and interview you and then say, no, Roger, that didn't happen. Sure, and sure. completely discredit your truth. So sure. yeah, like I absolutely relate to that because I remember I had an encounter. I won't get too into it, but um, I had an encounter with Jesus and I honestly thought I was that insane. Like I remember <laughs> I saw what I saw. My eyes were closed, but I saw what I saw. Cause like when you close your eyes, what do you see? Darkness, right? Sure. Unless you're staring at the sun, it's like a weird orange light. But I just remember that the silhouette of Jesus's face just up, like appeared. It started as a very small light in a distance and it grew and it grew and it grew until it was like right here, oh. right before my face. Wow. And the silhouette of his face, and it was moving. It, it was so weird to think back at it, but he just looked at me. He tilted his head down. He smiled and just nodded at me. Like this nod of approval, this mm -hmm. amount of peace and love that overflowed. And I stared at it like they just dumbfounded. Like, what That's What good. am I looking at? And I remember that I opened my eyes because uh, I had actually bowed my head. We, me and my friend were watching a, a video and I don't even remember what that video was about, but it was a, a testimony or something. And they had said, okay, let's bow our heads to pray. And we bowed our heads. And I had, don't remember, I don't remember the video. I don't even remember what the prayer was about. I just remember what I saw. And I remember thinking like, no one's going to believe what I saw, but I just mm -hmm. remember that I told her and the reaction that she gave me was not one that I expected. She just was so overwhelming with love and support and was like, oh my gosh, like, this is incredible. Your life is going to change. And I was like, okay, so she's crazy too. I see. <laughs> and she's, she's always been yeah. one of my close friends, my, my very close spiritual rock friend. She always keeps me tethered to God and will remind me so much and just her her had she not said that to me i probably she had, had she said oh probably not i think that i would have dismissed it but that her way of response was an anchor to me and mm, i was able yeah. to kind of be like wow like this did happen and she did believe me and i always recount that all the time like her response is what really helped me believe what i saw and like till this day i remember one of the things she told me was your life is about to change and i was like don't know how that could be and sure enough, sure enough, I wouldn't change a thing. My life has completely 360 changed. I'm not the same person I was before. And I, I agree with you. I wouldn't change a thing. And it's, again, it's so funny. God's character. He is so loving. He is so caring. But it's, it can be so hard to let go of control. You can even, I always say, I think I let go of control. I'll, like this pen I have in my hand, I will, in my head, I'm like, okay, here you go, God. And not even two seconds later, I'm like, how did this get back in my hand? And it's truly putting into practice what it's like giving it to God and wholeheartedly believing that he has it, that he has already gone before you. It's just that weird where we become uncomfortable is that area of unknown that 
area of uncertainty. And what I've learned is that the enemy loves to use that that blank slate of I don't know what's going on to mm -hmm. start um, the posting up images into your head of the worst case scenario, the worst case scenario, the worst case scenario. And in those moments, it's always to say like, okay, well, even if that does happen, God will work with that. Even if that does happen, God will work with that. And he'll use that as a testimony. He'll make the best thing come out of that. So I, I absolutely agree. It's really hard to give God control, but when you do this, it's freeing because then you live in this peace-like mindset and you have this, you unlock this cool gadget where you're like, I, I could I could choose to stress or I could choose to lean on to God and not lean on my own understanding mm -hmm. because I'm emotional. I can, one minute I'm on the top of the mountain and the next minute I'm at the very bottom and can't trust myself for that. But what I can trust is God's character and his goodness. Do you have, because um, before I forget, I wanted to ask you a question. Do you have like a, a happy memory from growing up in the church? Because I can really, when you said the thing about you were there every time the door opened, my mother was a hairstylist. So every time mm. her blow dryer turned on, it meant I was sweeping floor off the ground. So when people would ask me, are you going to become a hairdresser? No, absolutely not was my answer. And funny enough, God, I always say, don't ever say <laughs> absolutely not because God has a sense of humor. He'll say, never, oh, never well, now say I'm, never. Yep, because God never loves to never. make your no a yes. So do you have um, just any memories or, or things that you look back and brings you a lot of joy or just any moments like that from your childhood? Looking back on it now, I mean, I realize that they were instilling a foundation in me. And mm, yeah. when they get older, they won't turn from it kind of thing. And I applaud them for doing it. My father passed away about eight years ago. My mother's still alive. Um. I just seeing my grandmother at church um, and she, I don't know many people that would sit by the right hand of the father and my grandmother, grandma June, she, mm. she walked hand in hand with God himself. She was one of the most holiest. She should have, she should have been dead. Um, mm. She was in a car wreck when my father, I was just a baby. And back in the day, I mean, I'm, I'll be 55 in June. So I was maybe 53 years ago. I was maybe six months old, 54. Um, they were a, a drunk driver came into their inner, into their lane. My dad was driving. My two uncles were up front. My grandmother was in the back seat. The drunk driver hit us head on. Mom threw me in the mm. floorboard, jumped on top, and my grandmother went through the front windshield. Wow. Uh, my dad split his head. Wow. An inch, like a millimeter. She wow. dead, they said. Um, she had a metal plate in her leg and couldn't walk. So back 50 some years ago, that's all they knew. So they had to basically yeah. fix her leg so she couldn't bend it. And she was the most God she worked till she was in uh, third grade, I think during the depression and never went to school after that. Mm. Um, just a God fearing, just holy, just loved her some Jesus. And wow. I never, I, I never saw her bad or mad or upset or angry. Um, I'm sure my mother might have some other stories. But <laughs> I never saw Grandma June upset. Yeah. And wow. that's the childhood I had, the memories I have of her being at church and getting her Jesus home. To me, that just <laughs> makes me smile. Because, I mean, she, like I said, I know without a shadow of a doubt, she's probably up there ring leading the whole thing. I wow. Wouldn't, su wouldn't surprise me at all. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's yeah, it was cool. I aspire to be to be like her, you know, make that's, my grandkids believe I never had a bad day. 
That's amazing. You, you, you try not you try not to let it show. I mean, we all have yeah. bad days, but we try not to let it show. You said something a minute ago about the pen, and then you look back, and the next thing you know, the pen's back in your hand, and you feel like you've submitted or gave up the remote. Mm. So one of the things that I share with people, I have a picture of a trapeze artist. So if I'm hanging upside down from my knees and I'm hanging on to your hands and I'm hanging on to you and I'm about to let go, fully submitting and letting go is when I do this and you go flying. Because once I let you go, you're never coming back. So when you set mm. the pen, you leave it back here. I mean, I know that's an example, but yeah. to fully submit, like taking the remote, me throwing it out in the yard, it took me 15 minutes to find it because it was also 930 at night. I could have mowed it over the next weekend because <laughs> I never could have found it. But yeah. submitting, I use that analogy of using a trapeze artist and that mm. I'm upside down and I'm fully committing because I'll be sitting in a back room at one of the salons or something talking to somebody about it. And they're like, that makes sense because I'll look at the chair next to me and go, that's your problem. But I'll touch the chair with my hand or I'll touch the mm. chair with my foot because it's still there and I'm not giving mm. it, I'm not fully submitting and giving it all to him. And then they yeah, show them the picture of the trapeze good. artist and say, you see this? This is what fully submitting is, letting go. Because once I let go, you don't get to come back. And wow, it's that simple. That's and good. I just, yeah, I was like, to me, I had to find something. And I just felt like it was in my spirit that that's what I needed to show people. Because mm. what I find is, and I don't mean any derogatory comments or no hate email, women have a hard time of letting go of this. Because they have to control their husband, the kids, and the house, and the money, and the bills, and the finances, and work, and they're juggling all these balls. And I'll yeah. tell them, I, I can juggle. I can juggle three, but if you throw a fourth one in there, something's going to lose. Women are yeah. the same way. You can juggle two or three, but if you're trying to juggle 15 things, something's going to suffer, and it's usually the spouse. It's usually the kids. It's never the house or the mm. bills, because women are yeah. so driven on taking care of all that stuff. And mm. I had that conversation yeah. with a lot of women and I just, and one of the things I want to say earlier was I feel like God put me on this earth to empower women to be even stronger than they already are by giving it all to God and letting God take control of the relationship yeah. of the relationship with their spouse and their kids and with God and everything else. And I think it's kind of come full circle for me. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I absolutely, as, as a woman, I can absolutely relate. I hate that I didn't get to um, go to, well, I could have, but I opted out of going to the retreat where you did speak for the salon. Um, but I definitely can relate to that because as a woman, you know, you have, you know, like responsibilities naturally, but sure. naturally you're also like, I'm sure you already know, you speak to women, like being a caregiver, you naturally want to care for people being a hairdresser. That's naturally what you're doing 365 when you're at the salon, like you are caring for this person, you're making sure that they're comfortable. You're listening to what's going on in their life but at the same time, providing great customer service. If you're a mom, you come home and take care of your child. And then, you know, the house needs to get taken care of bills. If you have a pet, the pet needs to get fed. And so the last thing that you're going to take care of is yourself. And like you mentioned earlier, Roger, mm -hmm. you got to love yourself and put yourself first. And that's mm -hmm. one of the things that I have noticed that if I can take care of myself, if I can put myself first, then my mothering is going to go up a hundred percent. I'm going to have much more patience. I'm going to be able to feed and pour into my son the way that I need to, uh, versus if I'm exhausted and I've, I've, 
you know, kind of poured or uh, worn myself too thin and then I'm too exhausted and I'm short or I have this additional homework that we have to do together and I'm already thinking about a hundred other things and I didn't mm-hmm. take the time to take care of myself. And that's why I think God really emphasized, especially in, in Old Testament about resting, you know, about how I, I heard someone once say this like a year ago, he said, for God to really value us to rest and he also made it one of the Ten Commandments, even though this is Old Testament. Like, God must have really wanted us to rest if he added it into the right next to murder. Sure. Don't murder and take a nap. <laughs> How hard is that? And so I think okay. that, that that gives us a kind of a viewpoint that God values us to lay our heads down and kind of like, hey, like, you you need to rest. I didn't make you so that you could wear yourself out. I made you so that you would rest and that you would take care of yourself and then take care of others. And again, like uh, I said earlier, like there's nothing that we have to do. I think when we choose to delight in God, everything else naturally flows out, like your love for empowering women and how you believe that you're placed on this earth to do so. That comes from within, that comes from like Roger's love to do so, like his love for God and his love for himself empowers him and strengthens him to step in and help women and speak life into them and encourage them and uplift them and go to all of these places. And, you know, I, I imagine you've met a lot of incredible people. You've heard a lot of incredible stories Many. with the amount of speaking that you've done. Um, what And also, like, what impact has that had in your life? I mean, I imagine meeting all of these different people and getting to speak to them has had a different effect as well. I want to piggyback, on something, ju- I mm-hmm. piggyback on something you just said is when you don't have self-care, um, you're no good. Emily's no good to me broken. You're no mm. good to me empty. You're no good yeah. to your spouse, to your kids, to your family if you're empty or broken. I have a gallon pitcher that I spray-painted the bottom about well, about 20% of the pitcher. And I taped it up with painting tape, and I sprayed it. Of course, my wife lost her mind because it was one of her tea pitchers, but she had to. <laughs> I take it to the schools and I set it up front. I take it to the schools (laughs) and I set it up front and they go, what is that? I'm like, we'll get to it. I'm like, in this industry, I said, women, we, as as, as in this industry, but it's mainly women, we give and we're servants and we want to give and give and give and give and we forget about self. Yeah. So what I'm asking you to do is get up before everybody else about 30 minutes and sit in silence for about five or 10 minutes. Do some affirmations, visualize your day, exercise, read, and scribe. Try to do all that in 30, 40 minutes. Your love tank will be so full that when you start giving through the course of the day and you get down to that 20%, the reason it's spray painted is the takers, if Emily's a taker and she sees my picture but can't see how much is in it because the level is below that, she stops taking. Your Mm, guests stop taking. If I show them that I'm still full, your guests, your family, everyone else will take from you because you will not. I have to choose to let take that much home to my spouse and kids. Because if I go home empty and I do that for two, three years, don't you think someone else is going to finally fill her love tank? You know what I'm saying? Or my kids? I don't don't want to be replaced by somebody else when it's my fault because I'm going home empty. So mm-hmm. I had to piggyback on that because I think that's so yeah. crucial because you're no good to me broken and you're no yeah. good to me if you come home empty every night. Yeah. Um, the industry people, I mean, I don't know if you know who Daniel Mason Jones is. Oh, um, yes. Him and I are very close. I did a podcast with him. I think I him. met him uh, a little bit under a year ago, actually, I should mention it. He's Great guy. A beautiful human Great being. Great guy. 
Absolutely just in love with him. He's such a great human. I did a podcast with him, uh, More Than Beauty is his podcast, mm, uh, yes. episode 19. I don't even remember what the topic was now, but he's called me on a Monday and he said, what are you going to, what are you going to do tonight? I said, what's your topic? And he told me, and I told him what it was. He said, if you'll do your Monday night thing and then come back to your office and then do it with me, uh, we'll piggyback off of what you're already talking about. And that was, wow. that was probably yeah. one of the highlights. I was a total fanboy and. I was just, oh yeah, he's fantastic. He's, he's, I, he's such an amazing speaker, and I always tell people bring Kleenex because he'll have you just squall in one minute and then belly laugh in the next. Oh, minute. he yeah, he had his me story. Balling. His story is amazing, and mm, I just yeah, I just I love him. He's a good human, and he wants everybody to win and succeed. Loves him some Jesus. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah. just, it is what it is, and yeah. that was probably the highlight of being with that company for almost 20 years and getting to meet Daniel and getting to be on a intimate personal level with him and having his phone number. Mm. And every time I've ever called him, he's answering yeah. the phone and I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't expect you to answer. And, <laughs> well, I was in a school one day and they're like, you don't know Daniel. And I'm like, hang on. I said, Daniel, I'm on speakerphone with you at the beauty school. And he's like, FaceTime me, FaceTime me. And I was like, okay. So I FaceTime him. Ah. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of yeah. a big deal. So is Daniel. Um, <laughs> You know, and I'm like, I tell people I'm not conceited. I'm not conceited. I'm convinced. I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't think you're a big deal, nobody else is. Uh, honestly, honestly. And, and when you, I always tell myself, like, I belong to a kingdom. And so that oh, alone is impressive when you mention it. So it's incredible. And I, I love that because you're absolutely right. Daniel Mason Jones is such an incredible person. And um, it was an honor to meet him and you're right like you have to have tissues you oh. have to be ready you don't you think you know and then you meet him and then you're like i don't know anything you don't have a clue yeah you're exactly right 100 <laughs> that's great um i I, go, I feel like i need to share this with you so i'm driving yes, on the road please. having a conversation with god one day and i'm driving on the road and i said god you know how i feel about the word pastor I hate to say the word loathe. I just don't like it because they've gotten bad raps over the years. I don't want to be a pastor. I'm more of a teacher. I feel like I'm teaching people. Mm. And it's a couple minutes later, I'm driving down the road and I hear that voice in a, that, another encounter. And it says, you're not even a teacher. And I feel like I got gut punched. And I'm like, oh, mm. that's, oh, what do you mean? I'm not even a teacher. And it was a couple minutes later. And I heard that voice and he said, you're a farmer. I'm like, he I said, you I plant seeds in people. It's up to them to water, to de-weed, to cultivate, to grow, and put sunlight on it. Wow. You are planting seeds of growth. Even if it's that little mustard seed, that little tiny seed, you're planting mm. seeds of growth, but it's up to them to water it. It's no different than what yeah. I do in you. Oh, I got goosebumps again. Wow. And I'm like, wow. it's so good. So I was really butthurt that he said, I'm not even a teacher. And I'm like, okay. I could see myself with the farmer and the suspenders and the straw. Yeah. I was like, with the I'm picket. planting seeds. Yeah. I love Driving that. tractor. I do have a John Deere <laughs> tractor. Outside. I know it probably was farmers.com now that we it. <laughs> I love it. No. Oh, my God. The symbolism. It was. Oh, you're killing me, Emily. No, that's God funny play. stuff. It is farmers.com. Let's just say it was farmers.com. It's just farmers.com. Oh, I'm wrecked now. That's funny. I love, I love how God, uh, I always say God will humble me real fast. I, like God, I think one of the times that God humbled me, <clears throat> I talk about it in like two episodes ago, we did like a, like a Bible book club where we just talked about the book of Job. And I remember there's, I always made this joke to, I always make this joke whenever I hear like how the world is or when I see like how it can be. 
And from my worldly perspective, from my imperfect perspective, I'm like, I don't know how God does it. Like, if I was God, I would have just snapped my fingers and wiped the board mm -hmm. and started over. Like, mm -hmm. I, and I remember not even like two days later, maybe a week later, I just felt God placed in my heart. I was reading Job, um, and the the moment where God is explaining Job and talking about how the creation of everything came to be and how Job can't fathom or understand the atoms and the molecules and the implication of everything that God has ever created down to the little, like everything. And it was just, I had a moment where God was just telling me, um, there's so much, there's so much work that I put into this world. And there's so much that I put into you guys individually that I can't just, turn away from it like it's not as easy to scrap the board like this is too valuable to me what i've made is too good and too valuable for me to simply erase and start over and he was just telling me like there's there's more than you could ever understand and there's more than i like your 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 brain and your being could understand about the greatness of everything down to an atom and everything up from a cloud to a cat and a dog and to a person individually and I really opened my eyes to like, I truly don't know. But what I do know and what I learned from that moment was that God was just telling me he values us way too much. That He put mm -hmm. too much work into us. And one of the things that the enemy loves to do is to make us believe that we weren't, we're not worth much, um, that mm -hmm. we can pick ourselves down. And he loves to talk about how we we're, you know, God didn't put that much work into us. Why, why would God love us? Why would God pick us? You know, God, you got to get yourself straight before you can come to God. And I think God took that moment to just show me like, I love my kids where they are and how they are and how broken the world is. I, I receive it and I want it just the way that it is. I can work with this. And again, like why the podcast was born, what God can do with my pain is he's like, I can work with this. I, I can do so much with where we're at right now. You couldn't because you're imperfect. Sure. You know, like you have a limited perspective. You aren't god and it, he humbled me real fast i have never made that joke again i said that's fair <laughs> oh that's funny. That's, fair. <laughs> that's funny i love it you said something just a second ago that said i'm worthy and i think one of the things that i try to instill in people is i ask them to go home and to do it and take a dry erase marker and go to the bathroom mm. turn on some music and make sure nobody's home and on the mirror right across your face it's like your soul has to see it you write the words mm. i am worthy and i'm enough the first mm. time you try to do it it'll come out like oh, i'm worthy and you won't be able to do it then you'll do it and you'll have this ugly snot sling and cry because mm -hmm. you don't feel it and you don't believe it after about the fourth or fifth time of saying it you start to actually kind of believe i'm worthy and i'm enough wow here's some of these old hymns and they talk about God saved a wretch like me. And, you know, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of that. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm a child of a king. I am worthy of all of the blessings he's going to give me. He says, all I have to do is ask. Wow. My, free, my free will says that I choose to follow you or I choose not to follow the ways of the law. I mean, the, the land, I can do whatever I want to do, or I can choose to follow you. I choose Amen. to follow you. And when I do, don't you think he's going to reward me for that? It's, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, so what was it? If my son came up to me and said, dad, I'd like this, I'd like this. And I hand him a snake. Not, that's not what he wanted. Dad, I want this. I want this. And I hand him a rock. What kind of dad am I? It's how yeah. is that any different than my son? Yeah. Sure. There's going to be times that I have to tell him no. And he's not happy about that. Son, no, it's fine. Don't ask me again. It's the same thing with God. No, mm. or, or you might not even hear the no, but it's like, why is this not happening? I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. 
it's not going to happen because you're not supposed to have it. It's not supposed mm. to be that way. Yes. And the sooner you admit to that and submit yes. to that, the, just press on with something else. That's incredible. I want to piggyback off of that because um, I'm going to piggyback off of one of like the praying. This mm -hmm. reminded me, there's a long time ago, uh, there's this contest, this giveaway for this beautiful remodeled house. All you had to do was enter your email every day and you know there's gonna be someone who picked but the thing is this house was renovated in ohio this oh. um and yeah and then nothing bad against ohio i just looking back now i can i can barely survive a north carolina cold i would have died in ohio okay the lord was showing me mercy sure, but at that sure. time every single day i had like five different emails that i was filling into this website convinced that i was going to win so when i didn't win i felt defeated and this was before my relationship with God and more of religion with God or more of acknowledgement of God where I like would do a quick prayer like God I hope I get this house and I didn't get it and um, I look back at it now and I see that God was like you have no business in Ohio at least right now sure. you definitely don't want that house you think you want and it's just, a lot of the times God is like you think you want this but what I have is so much better and uh, another reason why I wanted to piggyback is recently when I think one of the things that God has been teaching me is a lot of the times I think in the past when I've prayed, I've always prayed like, oh, God, your will be done. Like never feeling worthy of his blessings, like always too afraid to ask for big, you know, like I, I would ask big, mm -hmm. but then I would quickly be like, you know what? Never mind. Just whatever you see is fit. And I have learned now that God has been placing on my heart to be be coming to him with open hands say god like you are good you are great everything you've given me everything that i already have is fantastic but you know what if you have something grand for me if you have something big for me make me into the person that you're making me to be but also i receive whatever you have because a lot of the times the enemy wants us to pray those weak softed prayers of like mm -hmm. oh i don't know possibly your will be done your kingdom come and that's a great prayer when you're a starter you know when you're learning sure. the ropes and you're learning to to grasp prayer but in my walk right now i feel like god has really strengthened me and has said like hey i have a kingdom i am god i everything i have made the earth i made the waves i've created this entire planet and the universe don't be afraid to ask me. And even if I say no, don't be afraid to keep asking, but also pray to receive whatever I have for you. Pray that the blessings and abundance that I have for you, whether it's physical and, and spiritual, just pray so in, with open hands and just say, Lord, I receive all the greatness and the blessings, even though I don't know what it is, I receive it. I'm excited to find out what it is that you have for me. Because I think that for such a long time, I wouldn't even pray for 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 big things i guess i was too i don't want to say afraid but i guess just didn't do so didn't think that i was worthy of asking god for for bigger and better not in the materialistic sense but sure. in the spiritual growth sense like god i'm in a, a place in my life where i'm ready to see what you have for me and actually just to see you never know if god says no then that's the worst that can happen is god saying no and that's the same as not saying the prayer at all but taking the step to pray and ask God and allow him to reveal to you what he does have for you and, and be like, Lord, like, this is what I'm wanting right now. But what do you have for me? Let's work on this together. Like, let's mm -hmm. think big, better and, and bigger. Like I, 
So I think that what you were saying just really opened my eye. Like you are worthy and you are worthy of, and it's not saying that you're coming to God and only asking him for things, but it's also coming to him and acknowledging his greatness and what he's already given you and saying like, God, what do you have for me? What, what blessings and, and overflowing of, of the 5,000 and what 12 baskets are going to be left over of what you give me so that I can bless others, whether mm -hmm. that's with the podcast, whether I help one person with the podcast and that that is my leftover or I help just another person who needed something to eat, like show me what it is that you have for me and, and the blessings that overflow to the fact that I get to bless others. And I just wanted to piggyback off of that because I think that that is just something that in this season God has been teaching me to to accept that I am worthy of his blessings, that I can receive his blessings, that there is nothing that I need to do. There is no hoop I have to jump through to qualify for what he has for me it's crazy like i said we make life so hard and just some of the older hymns they just kind of they rub me the wrong way a little bit and mm. you said something and I, I wrote down you have not because you ask not mm. and then one of the conversations i have with people is especially the ladies i'm talking to is because they still have a problem with the remote when I, I say you the sun, the stars, the earth is tilted at a certain level, it rotates a certain way, the moon orbits a certain way, and it, all of this rotation and all the stars and all the galaxies are put out there. Do you think he needs your help at, at, at all? <laughs> and he did all of that. I mean, you can't even begin to fathom the galaxies and everything else that they're finding with these telescopes. He did all uh -huh. of that. He doesn't need your help. Just need you wow. to submit. Just submit. So good. It's that, so good. It's that simple. I just and it it just kind of cracks me up that we just can't seem to give up the remote control. It's uh, yeah. I I absolutely love that you said that because it it really does highlight like we believe you know that you know that we need to do something when in reality you just need to submit. You just need to delight in God and be one. Another thing that God has been teaching me so much clearly i've been in the university this entire month but um living in childlike wonder i think that god has just always placed it heavy on my heart that i, I just need you to be a child and what do children do i love you rome you know what i'm gonna need you to say that again on camera for shannon because you got to tell her i'm your new favorite now <laughs> i told shannon uh, like oh yesterday. my god i love me some shannon too she's precious she, you know what but she'll be really happy because uh when i didn't go to the retreat she came back and she was like kiki i'm so mad at you you and roger would have hit it off you guys would have became best friends all of this and i was like oh i believe you so she'll be really happy i'll have to send to find her. That I'm, out. I'm gonna send her a message right now <laughs> emily is my new best friend <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to change your contact in my phone to like a bestie, Roger. Is my new my bestie. My best friend. Is my new bestie. <laughs> That's hysterical. Uh, yeah, I just text her. Fantastic. You know, well, when we had a conversation a couple months ago, whatever it was, a couple weeks ago, months ago, it feels yeah, like it was a, a yeah. forever ago. Forever ago. Uh, I, I knew that there was some kind of connection and I was a little skittish when I was coming into the driveway. I was thinking, I don't know what this looks like or what we're going to do. And she yeah. sound, and I was at peace with it though. So, mm. and like I said, when you just said childlike, that is one of the biggest things I tell people all the time. And I'll never forget this story. There was a, a, a video I was watching and there was this little four or five year old boy. There were two of them. One was, mm. one was black and one was white and they were holding hands and they were like interviewing. And he said, little Johnny, where are you going? He said, I'm going with my buddy, Timmy, and I'm going to get my hair cut. He's like, why are you doing that? <laughs> he said, because if I get my hair cut just like his, no one can tell us apart. 
Oh, and I'm like, stop. oh my God. And I was squalling and Susan walked in oh, and she said, what is it. wrong with you? And I showed her the video <laughs> and she went, you're crying. I went, it's that childlike mentality. We're taught yes. to hate. We're taught yes. to hate. And yeah. the kids love each other, mm, regardless of, of yes. their gender, regardless of what color they are, regardless mm. if they got things wrong with them if they're missing an eye it, it just what there's so many things and kids look past yeah. that they might ask inquisitive questions and that's yeah. i tell people at what age do we stop acting like a child i you know i know wow. it says that in the bible that we should you know give away childish things and you know grow up yeah. basically but at the same time i think that mentality of that childlike mentality that i'm a child yeah. of god he says i'm a child of god but we act like an adult of god why is that i'm i am a child of the most high king my god he's wow. not going to make me in lack for anything that's amazing and i i love that because yeah like that childlike it's it's like that childlike wonder that child curiosity but also the fearlessness in children you know like i'm okay i i just want to play and i just want to be with my mom or i just want to be with my dad and it says in the bible you know when the the disciples are fighting of like who's the favorite who's the greatest mm -hmm. and jesus humbles them and says truly truly i tell you the greatest of all like the greatest in the kingdom is this child this little child and that sets the tone because it's the childlike faith is not knowing whether you're going to eat but knowing that your parents will be there and provide for you and that safety and that just playing around mm -hmm. you know children don't stress you know, a lot of the times kids live in this beautiful, just wanting to be friends with everybody, wanting to play. And, you know, it wasn't, it isn't until a certain age where they become a little bit more self-aware, but like, it's, it's that childlike wonder. It's seeing these little kids waddle up to you and hand you an imaginary burger and you take a bite out of that imaginary burger, no matter what, yep. it, you don't know what's in the burger. You take yep. a bite and you tell them they did a fantastic job. Yep. And it's, it's that same thing. It's like, <laughs> God just wants us to live in that childlike oh, wonder. He wants us to, and so one of the things I ask myself is like, am I being too much of a grown up right now? And if the answer is yes, I need to revert back and I need to just sit down and and release all that stress. And like you said, let go of it. And I think that that's, again, like that's just something that I've learned from God. It's mm. again, the greatest, we are his children and the greatest in the kingdom is kids. You know, a lot of the times we dismiss children because we think they don't know, but kids know so much they i have learned a lot mm -hmm. from my son alone just he'll my son will humble me real fast and i'm like, that's a good point kid <laughs> like if we're willing to listen to them they they've got good things to say now granted sometimes it's questionable sure, but kids sure. are just fantastic i love the mindset of the kids and that's a whole nother podcast i think you could do childlike yeah. <laughs> wonder you know what next time <laughs> next time you and me will do some side research and i'll have you come that'd back be, because be i think that having you back would be fantastic. And um, I'm honestly, Roger, I am so grateful and blessed that you took the time to sit with me today and just gave me an hour of your day because you're an incredibly like busy man. You're, you're, you know, you're doing great things, but at the same time, like you took the time to sit with me today and I, I value it. It's something that I know that is absolutely priceless because like it says in the Bible where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there also. And so I rejoice in knowing that we could spend this time together and could spend it in the, the presence of God. And hopefully whoever listens to this episode, you know, is able to leave feeling like they gained a kingdom as sure. well and that they realize that they are worthy and they are loved and to not be afraid to hand that off to God and to not be afraid of to hear a voice in their back cave. Mm. 
<laughs> exactly in their back <laughs> I'll, it sounds like you're gonna wrap up and I'm totally cool with that I think I just, oh no I'm, I, yeah I, I, I want to say like just for anybody that does hear this just know that you are worthy and you mm. are enough and my God doesn't make mistakes you're here for wow. a reason and for a purpose so if Amen. you're talking about the same God I am you're here for a purpose and there's a reason you're here don't there's just so much going on in this world right now. And it breaks my heart to even think about it. I'm trying mm. to get emotional, but I've had so many friends that have just, for lack of better words, have taken their life because yeah. they feel like they didn't matter. And yeah. you're here for a purpose. And I, I can't stress enough. The people you hang around is exactly who you're going to become. You will be yeah. influenced by those people. And I always like, if I'm talking Amen. with the girls in the salon and I'm like, you might go out and have a, maybe a margarita. But if you go out with the girls and you have a girls night, the next thing you know, you're drinking five or six because everybody else is drinking five or six and you don't do that. You become mm. the product of your environment. So whatever you yes. surround yourself with is stronger than you, no matter what. I don't allow myself to be around negative. You get one shot with me. If I show you a vision board, if I show you my affirmations, if I show you, if I share my dreams with you and you think it's stupid, you are 86. You are gone. I will delete Oof. every kind of social media post. I will, I will not follow you. I will, I, I don't need you to tell me that I am not enough and I'm not worthy because you think it's stupid. so good. So just, good. I am really glad, you know, you beat me to the punch because I was, one of my questions for you was like, what would you, what would you say to someone, you know, <laughs> before we wrapped up? Roger, you are, I must be, uh, read, you know I must be reading your notes. We, we are besties <laughs> for sure. And like, I want to just tell you real Let's quick when talking. you said like, you don't want to get emotional. Let me tell you something. I'm, a, I can't watch, like, I can't even watch a good Christian movie with already bald because they do a good job. I'm like bawling my eyes out. I'm crying. I can't, they, not even like a good commercial. You know, like just back in the day when they used to have that commercial about the dogs and like in the arms of an angel and the filter was gray oh, and I white. I turned the channel. I turned the channel. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I just, I'm right with you. I was feel like if Sarah you and me were in the same singing that? Yeah. Like singing that? Yeah. Um, if you and me were in the same room, spawning. Listen, listen. Uh, Jesus Revolution. Have you seen it yet? I haven't. I really want to. Bring, bring I love some, Jonathan bring, Rumi. Bring some Kleenex. Cause I, oh. I cried three or four times cause it was, I'm wow. a sucker for people when they get baptized because I know what it did for me. And you so, heard what happened on there. Oh, uh, amazing. Geez, I might start crying now. I, I when they were <laughs> baptizing all those people in the water, I just, I sat back, we got in those really nice comfy seats oh. and we're reclined mm. and I'm trying, I didn't bring Kleenex. So I'm grabbing my shirt. <laughs> she's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, shut up, leave me alone. <laughs> and she's like, are you crying? And I'm like, shut up, leave me alone. <laughs> And I was like, I yes, need I'm you crying. not to see me. I was like, I'm invisible. I'm, I'm doing the John Cena. You can't see me. So <laughs> it's, I'm the same way. If you, I'm crying, please don't look at yeah, me. I, I don't even care anymore. I'm just like, <laughs> Lord, I can watch American Idol and cry because those kids are giving it all. You know? Oh, my gosh. I yes. I, that is amazing. I actually, I'm glad you said that. I love, I love the actor, Jonathan Rumi. I really want to watch Teaching Revolution. And I mean, I don't know if you've seen The Chosen. I'm sure you have. But have you? I think so. I don't remember. I probably have. You would know. You would know. Uh, trust me. I'm. They came out with a season three recently. I really recommend it. It's fantastic. There, they have a lot of like of the miracle scenes mm -hmm. in the last season, um, and it's it's with that same actor in it, and he just his delivery is fantastic. That show has made me cry like a, a dozen times. And Great. That's what I need. It's just incredible. Show. It's gonna make me cry. 
I know. <laughs> it does. It does help. I always feel like uh, whenever I'm like whenever I want to read the Bible, but I also want to do something visually. I, I will watch the. I've seen it like over so many times. It's every time I watch it, I feel like I learn something new um, about Jesus and his character and God and the disciples and so good. But I won't keep you too long. I just I really appreciate you beating me to the question. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it, no, I I I I love it. I love it. I, I think that we are really on it today. I can't wait to tell Shannon that um, I've got a new bestie and that, you know, she'll be, <laughs> she'll be very excited. She'll have to listen or watch. I love you, Shannon. Miss you. Awesome. All right, then. Is there anything else you want to say before we say goodbye to everyone? No, that's great. I really enjoyed it. It was, I, I kind of came in with no expectations and I, I'm glad I did because there's no, I mean, I'm just overjoyed right now. My heart's full. Thank you so much for listening to What God Has Done With My Pain. As always, a huge shout out to Lazuli for her song, No Greater Love, that has helped make this podcast come to life. You can find her on Spotify and Instagram at Lazuli, P-R-O-J, and at We The New Breed, where you'll find artists using their gifts to glorify God. Swing by at What Way This Way on Instagram to catch some behind-the-scenes snippets. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss a single interview. In the meantime, I would love to hear from you on social media or email. Until the next episode.